early ones. They were so pathetic, but at the time they were everything. I remember investing all my savings, everything I ever made every single year back into the haunted houses. So it's something that we just loved and would plan for all year. Fear Overload in the Bay Area and Ultimate Terrace Cream Park in the Sacramento area are both owned by the same two brothers. And while they seem similar, they have vastly different approaches. Coming up, we'll hear how two attractions in overlapping markets differentiate themselves. I'm Philip, and you're listening to the Haunted Attraction Network. Okay, here's a little backstory to this interview. I recorded this actually before the Halloween season, but held on to it because Ultimate Terror was unable to open the season. So you may be wondering, why am I airing it now? Because Fear Overload is open for their Valentine's Day event today and on the 14th. And although we don't discuss that event specifically in this interview, we do get background on the attraction and its development. Okay, so here's Nathan. Hello, uh, my name is Nathan, and my brother's name is David, and together we're the owners of Fear Overload Screen Park and Ultimate Terror Screen Park. So Fear Overload is one of the, is definitely the scariest haunted attraction in Northern California. Basically, when you show up, it's a, miniature screen park that you enter and inside there's different booths to buy things from as well as a whole lot of scenery photo ops and things like that we have live actors who are scaring you and you can take photos with then when you are ready to enter the attractions there's a one line and that enters you into both of the two attractions there and once you get to the attractions you're handed a very dim flashlight that sometimes you have to shake to make work and you're off on your own to survive the haunted houses. We've got two attractions this year. One of them is Descend the Basement, and the other one is called The Demon. Descend the Basement basically takes you through the underneath of a house. The The premise is, is that there was this old man who lived in the house on the hill, and um, he had children in the basement, and sometimes he would feed them, sometimes he wouldn't. And uh, basically, one day he ventured down into the basement, and these kids with sharpened scissors all over their mouths came and attacked him, and basically have taken over this home. And so, and then the next one is the demon. There's this demon with long black hair who has uh, taken over this realm. And as you're walking through the mazes, the maze, you have to be really careful not to look her in the eyes because uh, something horrible might happen. So in 2013, you gave a quote and you said, we want it to be so scary, it's not even enjoyable. We're not going for families. <laughs> so talk to me about that. This haunted attraction is definitely geared towards being the absolute most horrifying. So a lot of attractions are more about like scenery and detail and things like that. And you walk in and there's a whole lot of stuff to look at and it's very theatrical. This one, we wanted it to be absolutely horrifying in every respect possible to even hardcore horror fans. So you walk in and it's extremely loud, like extremely, extremely loud. It's so loud that it's actually hard to even hear where people are coming from. And so we really get them psychologically like this. In addition, it's very dark, almost pitch black. There's almost no lights throughout it. So you've got your flashlight. Basically, you got to shake this thing. It's dim. It's fading. And that's what really makes it so horrifying. And that's kind of the demographic that we've gone towards with that event. Give me an example of one of the detailed areas that you're particularly proud of. So one of my favorite and definitely our most iconic sets is our green bathroom. 
and you walk in and there's, you know, big rows of sinks as you're passing. It's a lot of just like black oozes coming from the sinks and, and you walk down and you realize that there's actually no escape. It's just the end of a bathroom and it's a women's bathroom. So you're wondering, well, where do I go? So there are about 12 different stall doors and you have to figure out which stall door to go through to get out because only one of them, all of them are dead ends or leads to something horrible um, and horrendous except for one. So guests walk through and they creak open the first door. And by the way, these doors are made to creak. So you creak open the first door. Maybe there's an actor behind it. Maybe who knows Who knows what horrible scene. But I, I would say this is one of our scariest scenes. Now let's transition over to Ultimate Terror. So tell me a little bit about Ultimate Terror. Ultimate Terror Screen Park is a gigantic flagship of ours. It takes place in a really big 40,000 square foot facility. There's three different attractions inside. It's very highly detailed, extremely high sets that are reaching up to 16 feet in height it's definitely our our flagship attraction it sounds like you like built a dream location when to to be able to have larger sets and to be able to have more space yeah definitely when we opened up ultimate terrace screen park we knew we wanted to go all out both with budget with the size and just with the performance and production quality so with the budget we knew we need to go big or go home. We've invested well over a million dollars into these set designs. As far as the location, we have 40,000 square feet. We knew we needed to be it to be a lot larger and we also have a 20-foot ceiling. So we have a lot of wiggle room to go upwards and that's where we really thought we could expand. So these sets are very towering and tall. Some of them go up to 16 feet in height. And um, on top of that, we used a good amount of our budget really to train our staff and invest in the people who are making this actually happen. So, And so it seems like the differentiator between these two is that Fear Overload is the original, but it's also stuck in San Francisco. It's in a much, I guess, more accessible area, but it's also like a tighter area, right? And so you the, the scare is a little bit more intimate because you're in this tighter environment, still very scary, but tighter. And it seems like in Sacramento, you're able to kind of build a dream location that has room for a whole street that you would walk down. Ultimate Terrace Screen Park is not as claustrophobic. It's not quite as intimate as just how horrifying Fear Overload Screen Park is. But Ultimate Terrace Screen Park has, every, has something for everyone throughout the whole market. So some people are coming there, they're coming there for the animatronics. Some people are coming there to see the actors and to get really scared. Some people are coming there to view the sets and just see these massive sets that they're walking downtown. Some people are there because they really love the outdoor environment and, and the fog and everything that's outside during the midway. So we really have something for everyone. So our demographic there is 18 to 55. What have you learned about how each area is different? I think what we learned by doing all of this is the San Francisco Bay Area market was missing an attraction that was really horrifying. A lot of them are really small, the attractions around, or they're gigantic like Six Flags Fright Fest or something like that, where you get there and it's not that scary. It's really cool to look at, but it's not that scary. So for Sacramento, we realized there's really no big attraction here for people to enjoy. I think the market was really missing something for people to really enjoy, something that could reach everyone and have something for everyone. So it sounds like you're kind of encouraging people to hang out more at the Sacramento location. Yeah, because we've got a really cool area in the front where people can hang out as well as videos playing on the side of the building and fog going and all sorts of cool stuff. So 
Fear Overload opened in 2008, but that was definitely not your first foray into scaring people. I'm reading from an interview here. It said, um, when David was 13 and Nathan was seven, they started building their own haunted houses inside their mother's garage. And they you plastered <laughs> the walls in plastic, which I've also done. Yeah. And you create a course for your friends to walk through. And you spent all your money, all your extra money on props, building strange collection of evil looking clowns and blood soaked rags. Uh, yeah, that's funny that that interview says my mother's garage when that's my parents' garage. In fact, it was our dad that inspired us because my brother's birthday is November 3rd. So he had a birthday party that was a haunted house when he was really young. And then after that, it's like, well, we, we love this. So let's do it every year. But anyway, yeah, I think we really grew a passion for these attractions at a really young age. It kind of ingrained in, in us because we were so young and then we just kept building them. It's funny thinking back because in our early ones, they were so pathetic, but at the time they were everything. And so every year we'd grow it and every single year we'd say, this is it. This is the best it can possibly get. And then after that season, it was like, oh no, that was horrible. This is this year's going to be way better. I remember investing all my savings, everything I ever made every single year back into the haunted houses. So it's something that we just loved and would plan for all year. I read that uh, you gave up trick-or-treating and also that you didn't wear costumes. You focused on building these experiences for people to just walk through. Yeah. And I think I'm the same way today. My girlfriend said, hey, we should you know, maybe decorate around here some Halloween decorations. I'm like, no, I, I get out my creative outlet plenty with these haunted houses. I need no more creative outlets. So yeah, I, I put every single drop of energy into these attractions. I, I think that's why I probably didn't wear costumes or go trick-or-treating. Your brother, who's uh, five years older, he would come back from college to help you like build when you were a home haunt? Yeah, he would. It was, This was that big of a deal. So yeah, he would come home. It was like a uh, tradition for us. Yeah, he was always someone I looked up to, you know, when I was growing up, of course, you know, he was always making all these adventures for us. You know, to be honest, it wasn't just this, we were always the house that had the most ridiculous Christmas light sets. We were always the house that I would decorate my room for summer with full of oriental trading decorations. So we were always the family that did kind of went all out for holidays. And that's what we were really passionate about. Today's episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.